welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. We are back. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbot. What up? I gotta say, we still got it. So still got in, it. That was that was the best crack. crack I think we've ever had. <laughs> after taking a month off. Trey, Stinky Fingers Jose is also here. Did you guys miss me? Were you having a good smelling off season? Because it's about to get stinky again. <laughs> he survived COVID, but also kept his stink. Um, that is evident in the office basement right now. I couldn't smell it for a couple <laughs> of days. <laughs> uh, we missed everyone. We're happy to be back. Uh, took a little vacay, a little hiatus there for a bit. Uh, dealt with a little bit of COVID situation, as did everyone. Um, so we hope you're all healthy and happy, uh, and ready to talk a little fantasy football. Uh, this show is going to be a little season recap, going to talk about some of the highlights, um, going to give you our MVPs for the fantasy football season and probably talk a little bit of playoffs and our upcoming or the upcoming Super Bowl and our prediction for that game. Uh, so stick around for the show and, uh, you already know, you can find us on Twitter at the FF fathers. Yes. That is still our only social media. We will get more eventually, but <laughs> we're old, man. We're old. So, um, it's not a huge priority. <laughs> at least I don't think any of us want to. Um, but what we do want to do is talk a little fantasy football bring a little knowledge, some good times. So crack a beer or a, a seltzer, if that's more your flavor. Um, Pour a whiskey. Let's get into it. Um, oh, I lost the dock. No worries. I'll, tablet here, yeah, so. we'll, we'll keep you afloat while you bring it back up. <laughs> so uh, We're, we're going to start off with it. quarterbacks and just simple. We're going to move on to running backs after we go through the quarterbacks. Wide receivers are next, tight ends. Not going to touch on defenses, which disappoints me quite a bit. As you know, Stinky's defenses are my thing. <laughs> We're working with some new equipment here, so give us a yeah, give us a break here. Yeah, but um, and then we're going to finish with our MVPs, right? And then, I mean, the way we were doing MVPs, like I did uh, the biggest difference between ADP and how they finished in the season and their impact in the playoffs. Those are my requirements to make it into my MVP rankings. And yours were pretty similar, right, Erbach? Yeah, I think we all were, you know, similar that way. But we didn't put any like hard restrictions on the way we were going to do MVPs. We let us, you know, we did it individually to the point where you know you could have your own criteria, um, which is you know good. You have to look at things differently than you know the next person. So yeah, we never agree on anything, anyways. <laughs> you don't want to hear all three of us say the same five people. <laughs> That's no good. So I had a little parody, you know. Definitely, we don't have, we have pretty different lists, which is nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, try to mix it up a little bit and uh, give some opinions on different guys. But uh, starting out here, I think we'll just go through position, position, and kind of talk about some of the highlights and uh, some of the players that played well, some that disappointed, and yeah, have some outlook for next year. Uh, so yeah, you said starting at the quarterback position, uh, right, Steve? Yes, sir. So I think it was another year where quarterbacks showed again that um, you could probably wait on them in drafts, even though some of the elite QBs did prove their uh, kind of their worth if you took them earlier in the draft. But 
the top 12 QBs on a per game basis basis averaged over 19 points per game and 21 quarterbacks averaged over 15 points per game. So you were able to find some, some value there, uh, with some of the deep, deeper guys. Um, even guys like Trevor Simeon, Daniel Jones, and Jimmy Garoppolo all averaged over 15 points per game, which is pretty interesting. Um, but guy like Josh Allen, who did finish as the number one overall fantasy scorer, not just quarterbacks, but every position on the year for the second year in a row, right? Um, he had an average draft position of QBT, QB2. So, yes, there are options deeper in the draft at quarterback at this position. But um, if you paid up for the elite talent like Josh Allen, uh, you were paid dividends and it worked out. But how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, uh, I've been an adamant believer for at least a decade of you do not take quarterbacks early, ever. I don't care. I, even the elite talents, I don't care. The only reason, <clears throat> I mean, it just it, the position is too deep. It's the deepest in fantasy, fantasy football has been for a very long time. If you look at it on you know the uh, per game basis, Josh Allen led the way with a little more than twenty four points per game. The 11th ranked quarterback on a per game basis was Matthew Stafford, only four points less than what Josh Allen did. I'm sorry, from week in, week out, four points isn't going to make or break me. Um, and it won't make or break most teams. If it does, then your team's, you know, mediocre at best. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I think the caveat that comes with that four point difference is it seems like those guys that like around the 15 point range per game uh, were like kind of consistently average or underperforming and then you get those guys at 19 and they uh a little more boomer bust like and they they were more likely to give you stronger games you know with 20 25 plus points so i see what you're saying i mean i've been saying it all year i'm a i'm a guy i like consistency with my players you know i'll take the 10 point guy every time over the boomer bust guy so um yeah i feel like you can go either way but i'm with you on that one i can understand how someone could argue the other way though you know it's like oh i don't want the guy who wants you know he's averaging 15 with the guy who's averaging 19 but I'm with you. I, I wouldn't uh, be reaching early on quarterbacks next year just from what we've seen. You know, nothing has changed in the last, like, unless, you know, the last 10 years. Unless, like, obviously when we all started playing fantasy football, it was standard scoring, like super basic settings. Now you have so many uh, different game modes like um, super flex or two quarterback leagues. Those have all been brought to light to kind of match the the real value of those elite quarterbacks, what they actually bring on the field to to fantasy football yeah i mean and, and yeah that that changes everything obviously um i think when we talk about fantasy football and how most people talk about fantasy football it's in your standard league in terms of the amount of players you play with you know not one, standard scoring we not don't standard play score. standard yeah, no, scoring no, but standard in terms of in terms of the way your uh roster's made up yeah you're starting one quarterback two running backs two receivers a tight end and a flex position right, right? that's what you know, I think most people look at it, and that's how most people play. Yes, if you're in a, in a different league, that's you know super flex double quarterback, that completely changes what you're saying. But you know, you're in a unique position. There's you know that's still the minority when it comes to you know most leagues. Right. Well, I mean, you're not wrong because you know the top ten quarterbacks are all a- averaging above twenty fantasy points a game. You know, and you know, with Josh Allen being the top, averaging twenty four point six. You know, or you could drop down to someone like Kyler Murray, who ended up ranked tenth um in points scored per game and he was at you know 22.2 yeah. so you know it's 
you're not looking at a huge drop off. In other positions, the drop off is more way more significant. But you know, we'll get to tight ends in a second, which is you know just a, yeah. been a wasteland of, as of late. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Matt Stafford, finished fifth among QBs with 346.7 hey, real quick, points. Real quick, before we move on to specific players here, just for what you guys are th- are feeling, what would be the earliest you guys would take a quarterback in the draft? Well, it depends on who it is, but I mean, let's say the number one guy. Let's say let's say next year, as most people probably have, will be Josh Allen as the number one QB, right? Where would you take Josh Allen next year in the draft? I would definitely take him at the beginning of the third. I I personally would not. Um, I I would like to have two running backs and two receivers and possibly a good tight end, if things work out that way in the draft. But definitely two two running backs and two receivers that I believe in before I'd buy it on a quarterback. I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit though, Stink. Are you talking about my my? Why'd drafting you draft run? Kyler in the third <laughs> this year then? I was trying something new, man. You can't do this. You know, the definition of insanity, you know, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So, um. I tried something new. You know, I never really draft quarterbacks high. I like Kyler Murray, and it ended up kind of working out for me, but I think I would have finished my season a lot better if I um, went with a running back or a receiver in the third round. Yeah, there's definitely some games there where yeah. Kyler killed you. Definitely. Obviously, he got hurt, but um, Josh Allen was kind of that consistent. Yeah. You know, like. There wasn't an up me, and down with him. With, with the rushing ups, upside and how this team utilizes him. Um. He's just such a stud, man. Like, so yeah, he's probably the only one I would take that early, but I would be willing. Okay, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking back in like in my past. I'm pretty sure the earliest I've ever taken a quarterback was like round five. I think it's yeah. the very earliest. Um, if it came down to Josh Allen next year with the consistency he's shown over the previous two seasons now, because um, right. he finished as QB one last year also, and actually even was a little bit better this year. Um. I think I'd be willing to take him in the third also. But the thing is, you know, I think that's us being conservative on it, where a lot of other people won't. They'll take him, you know, uh, somewhere in the second. And oh, yeah, for sure. People yeah. will next year. They'll take him in the second. And that seems, honestly, the to first. me, that seems crazy. Yeah. Um, <sighs> let's see, where were we? Matt Stafford uh, finished fifth among quarterbacks. Uh, his best season since 2011. Uh, in that season, he threw for over 5,000 yards and 41 touchdowns. That was the old Megatron days. Um, this year, his ADP was quarterback 10. So you did still get some some nice value there uh, if you drafted Matt Stafford, finishing fifth with an, with an ADP of, of QB 10. Um, Mac Jones. Talking about some rookies here, Mac Jones far outpaced all other QBs, all other rookie QBs. Uh, finished quarterback 18 on the year, uh, beating out arguably the best quarterback prospect to ever be seen, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> That's what the pundits say anyways. He finished as a quarterback 22 uh, with 216 points. Um, Zach Wilson was the QB 30, Justin Fields, QB 31, Trey Lance only played in three games. Um, how do you guys feel about the rookie class this year? Looking forward into next year. Are there any that you're, you kind of got an eye on and do you think Lance takes over in San Francisco and do you think Lance and Fields are permanent starters? Uh, Lance is 
basically guaranteed to take over in, in uh, San Francisco. It came out today that Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners are looking to find a trade partner for him. Um, that was, that's been the plan all along. I think Jimmy Garoppolo knew all season that this was going to be his last ride with San Francisco regardless. I think this would have happened if even they won the Super Bowl. I think if Jimmy G gets them a ring, they still move off of him to go to Trey Lance. So yeah. that's a guaranteed. You um, invest that much draft capital. You have to. You're you're kind of your hands are tied. Yeah. Um. For me personally, um, I I do expect Trevor Lawrence to play better going forward. He was in a terrible situation with quite possibly the worst NFL head coach of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, could, I could get with that. So I mean, I expect him to bounce back, but honestly. Coming into last season with the rookies, I'm still going with the same, same guy this year. It's Justin Fields for me. Yeah. That's the guy I think who I thought he was going to a decent situation in terms of like team skill wise. Um, I thought he was been more pro ready than Trey Lance, um, and he has a rushing upside. So maybe down the line it becomes Trey Lance or one of the other guys. But right now it's still Justin Fields for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I I'm pretty high on Justin Fields next year, but I really like what I was seeing out of Mac Jones towards the end of the year. Um, just really consistent growth, high percentage thrower, uh, accurate thrower. Um, I think he has the best base to build off of um, as far as moving forward. I mean, Justin Fields does offer like the rushing upside, and we love our rushing upside with quarterbacks. But I, I really think Mac Jones might have a good chance to be the guy who finishes as the best quarterback out of that rookie class next year. Do you guys... I mean, I'm kind of reaching a little bit on that one, especially with like a uh, offensive coordinator change in New England. Yeah, McDaniel's gone. Um, it, I mean, he certainly could if you know the other guys have another horrible year and and Trey Lance doesn't play for some reason. But I think the just the rushing upside alone of of Lance, um, and Fields gives them that edge. You know what I mean? They could yeah. have mediocre years through the air, uh, but if they if they put up, you know. 500 rushing yards <laughs> um yeah. i mean look at look at jalen hurts this year. look yeah. at jalen hurts this year finished as qb9 right. and he's a, not a very good quarterback in terms of throwing the ball but he ran the ball the hell out of the ball so yeah what about what about trevor lawrence though i mean he he had a stretch it was like a nine week stretch where he only threw two touchdowns in that stretch yeah he was in a, a terrible situation in jacksonville um i really i i don't think trevor lawrence is that bad of, of a quarterback I think he's actually pretty good I think he's he's in a shit system uh not very many good playmakers around him I think he'll I mean the only way he can go is is up you would think um so I like Trevor Lawrence long term um I think he I think he has the stuff to be a franchise guy um but so you know we got to see big changes in that franchise <laughs> So it seems like you guys have put Lance and Fields somewhere at one and two, and then Mac Jones at three. Yeah, I, that's probably where I would probably lean Lance over Fields, just because I have a little bit more faith in Shanahan and um, Lance's ability to to run that offense. Yeah, I definitely give you that in terms of Lance being in with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, um, that's huge, especially when he's had a whole year in that system now. Um, that's right. huge. So. That could sway me for sure, um, not knowing exactly what the Bears are doing yet. Well, that is a great point to bring up because, you know, two of these quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, are going to be dealing with different play callers next year. Mm -hmm. So we don't really know what, what's going to change up with them. But um, well, I guess Mac Jones, too, also a different play caller, but still <clears throat> same head coach at least. Right. And the, the one thing with – I was thinking, I was like, 
I would be worried with McDaniels leaving, but actually thinking back on like all the good offense coordinators that have been under Bill Belichick, there's been a lot of them. I mean, Charlie Weiss, uh, Bill O'Brien, yeah, uh, McDaniels, um, a couple other guys too that have all gone on to be head coaches elsewhere. They weren't necessarily good head coaches, but they're really good <laughs> offensive coordinators. Yeah. So uh, I expect whoever they have in the in the works to take over uh, play calling duties will be just fine. Yeah. I mean, oh. Bill runs the show there, right? So as long as Bill's there, um, Mac Jones is in good hands. Better head coach than Texter. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I was going to say this. You know, the the three years that Josh McDaniels wasn't on the Patriots, they were still a top ten offense. So kind of you know reiterates what you guys were saying that um, yeah. Bill knows how to put it together. No doubt about it. Uh, we got to talk about Tom Brady. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, he's officially retired. Um, you Not know. according to Schefter, well, <laughs> I guess. According to Schefter, it was. <laughs> Did three you guys days see ago. that he? <laughs> Did you guys see that Schefter held the receipts though? Did Everyone, he? yeah, dude. People that were tweeting him like, "Oh, you know, I can't believe you blew this again." You know, uh, he like he literally took screenshots and retweeted it today. Wow. Yeah. Petty. That's uh, great. Well, I would too if my reputation was at stake. He yeah, was right, but he I sucks. Mean, you said it went, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I like mean, that guy. Trey, Trey said it went when it all went down, right? And then it started to back out. And Trey was like, "I'm pretty sure it's just because Tom wants to be able to announce it on his own, kind of control sure. the narrative as much as he could." Yeah, um, twenty five years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and so he waited three days and announced it himself. Well, wait, think about it like this, okay? You're just say you work at a company, right? And all of your coworkers come to your boss, or you know, other people are coming to your boss saying, "Hey, just so you know, you know." Johnny's quitting on Saturday. Da 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 da. He's gonna. He's retiring, and you're just like I. You know, he's like I haven't heard nothing from him. You know, and you're and you're John, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Not only that, but you're the best in the company, right? Uh, What do you do? Like, and someone else is just, I don't know. Yeah. So obviously he wants to be the one to say it, and not other people being like, hey, you know, he's retiring. You know, I mean, right? Like you have to put you have to be out there first. You have to. But in his final year, he came through uh, in terms of fantasy. Again, uh, he had an ADP of QB9 and finished as the QB3 uh, with 382 overall points. His It was his second-best season ever, only behind his record-setting season in 2000, 2007 Excuse me, when he scored 390 points and was throwing the ball to that man, Randy Moss. So... Second best season of his career at the age of 44. What do you got to say about TB12 and his sayonara? I don't think I used that word right. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's 44 years old and just led the league in passing and touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, if you if you drafted him, let's see, that's probably like the eighth round, yeah, somewhere around uh, there. According to this ADP, um, He'd be going in the fifth round, pick eight. At QB nine? That feels higher than it should be, but overall sixty eighth. I feel like really? I saw him going in oh. the eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, like uh a lot in drafts this year. But um either way, I mean you're getting uh, you know, the quarterback three overall after you set up the rest of your team. Uh it's awesome. And you know, the shitty thing about him retiring is you could probably do this again next year. Like um, you could probably draft him at the QB nine again next year and, you know, get pretty similar results, but he's retiring, unfortunately, but the time has come, right? 
Yeah, I'm wondering if I'm uh, using the wrong ADPs here. I'm going off of Fantasy Pros, just average draft position um, from their eight consensus sources, like preseason. Yeah, I was looking at that too. It does say overall 68, which just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But they that might be on 10 team leagues, so maybe it's end of the sixth round, possibly, yeah. depending on how they were how they were looking at it. But even then, that still seems a little high. I think I'm with James. I thought like he's going more like eight nine. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he was in leagues that we, you know, that we participated in. Yeah, and um, I, I guess um, shows how much we know. <laughs> well, it shows that we tend to be in more competitive leagues than yeah. the normal person, right? Which is nice. Yeah, a lot of people waiting on quarterbacks. Um, who, in your guys' opinion, had the most disappointing season at quarterback? A couple of contenders that come to mind for me: Lamar Jackson. He had an ADP of quarterback four, and he finished as the quarterback 15 overall. And then Russell Wilson, average draft position of QB7, finished QB16. I'd say that's pretty perfect. I would, I'd throw Baker Mayfield in there. Yeah. Uh, just because he was like borderline top 12, um, 14th quarterback rank preseason. So that means a decent amount of people were taking a chance on having him as their quarterback one probably. And we're hugely disappointed. Yeah, see, when we were, when I was looking at like who did the most disappointing, like I didn't want to go too harsh on guys that missed a bunch of games, right? You know, because like the their what we're looking at in terms of their rankings is their overall points scored. Yeah, if you go into the fact into their uh, points per game basis, they're right up there in the top fifteen, top twelve, top ten. So with that, I didn't want to harp on them too hard because like. Injuries happen in the game. That's not their fault, right? You know, shit happens. Yeah. So when I'm looking at a guy who played, you know, seven, 16 or 17 games, then I'm, you know, I look at like somebody like Carson Wentz, who finished as QB 14. He played all 17 games, but he was being reunited with, you know, the guy that had him in the MVP conversation in yeah. Philadelphia. And so people were expecting, you know, a top 10 finish from him this year. And he, I think he, you know, pretty much under, underwhelmed that way. So I'm going with Carson Wentz. Yeah, no, I like that for sure. I I think he underwhelmed not only fantasy managers but uh the Colts organization. Should we do an honorable mention? I just want to shout out Jameis Winston. I really wish we could have seen uh, what yeah. he would have done with the full season under his belt. He was definitely picking up steam. Inconsistent, but man, when he, he was still throwing them touchdowns. Is he going back to Tampa next year? <laughs> we were floating that in our yeah. text thread, man. It it'd be a fun story, but Obviously, probably not realistic, yeah. right? Honestly, I wish Jamison, Jameis, Jameis, Jameis. <laughs> uh, I wish Jameis did what I was hoping. I, I, I said, you know, in our preseason stuff that I thought he'd be like a sleeper to lead the league in passing uh, with Sean Payton there and whatnot. Didn't come out. Uh, didn't happen. But, you know, he, he showed flashes what could have happened. I mean, yeah. He had a five-touchdown game, four-touchdown game. He wasn't throwing for that many yards, but he was throwing for touchdowns. He was. The other thing, too, though, he really limited his interceptions compared to what we saw in Tampa. Because in Tampa, he put up tons of numbers, but a ton of interceptions, too. We saw, like, glimpses of that, the James everyone wanted, like, the guy who would, like, still throw those numbers but limit the picks. And yeah. we were seeing that with Sean Payton. That's a little uh, LASIK surgery promotion there. <laughs> now right? Sean Payton's out. And he's a free agent. Who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah, that's Well, they're in on uh, Taysom Hill, seems like right i guess yeah well, I mean, the contract the wise the funkiest contract i've ever fucking seen that's why sean said i'm out he's like sign whatever you want 
I'm retiring after this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they have the worst cap next year, right? Worst yeah. cap projection. By, dude, not this even close. I mean, they've been in cap hell for like four years now. Yeah, there's, but, there's and they've always been able to, to work out. They're like $70 million in the hole yeah. this year. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. That's why Sean's out. I mean, I like don't the, blame him. Like they're going to have to cut the whole damn team. Yeah, they're going to be terrible. Uh, let's move on to the running back position here. And I think it would be appropriate to start out with arguably the waiver wire pickup of the year, um, Cordell Patterson. Uh, If anyone told you they said this would happen, they are lying to you. (laughs) Uh, It definitely came out of nowhere. He finished as the running back nine with 208.6 fantasy points in half PPR. Uh, almost doubling his best year all the way back in his rookie season of 2013. Um, to me, he's arguably the waiver wire pickup of the year. I think the only other player that you could make a case for is Elijah Mitchell. Um, and I think the reason is, is Elijah Mitchell did come back and come through for you like in championship week and late in the season while Cordell fell off like after week 14. Uh, he was pretty much non-existent kind of killed you at the end of the season but still he got you to that point (laughs) of you know um he gave you a top 10 running back and you picked him up off the waiver wire so how do you guys feel about Cordell's season and he's getting older do you think he can repeat next year no yeah, I don't think he can either. I think (laughs) this is so it feels like such a one-off season for him um which I hate to say because like you know those like feel good stories like him. Um, you want to continue to go in, but they never do. They're always a one season thing. Um, it it is what it is. But you know, good on him. I mean, maybe he made it, made himself a bunch of money this year. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, that you brought up a perfect point. I think that's a deal breaker for me is that he uh, disappointed in the playoffs. The worst is getting carried to the playoffs by somebody that you're basically invested in at that point, and you're at least going to start the first week of the playoffs, just hoping that they're gonna, or almost at that point, really knowing that they're gonna come through for you. And then, you know, he scores three points first week of the playoffs, eight points, and then six points in championship week. Huge letdown. That's why I think Elijah Mitchell is definitely the best running back waiver wire pickup of the year, just because of his playoff um, production. Um, it doesn't really, like, at that point, to me, it doesn't really matter how good Cordero was during the season, because if, if they're not going to produce during the playoffs, um, it doesn't really matter to me. Right. You're not going to win any money at the end of the year. Yep. That, and that's, that's fair. Uh, completely. <laughs> that's fair. Um, and I, I kind of lean with Trey in that decision. I was someone who did go after Elijah Mitchell aggressively, uh, in pretty much all of my leagues. Um, and it paid off, you know, especially in those teams where I was running back needy. Um, he was huge. Um, and I'm excited about the future there. I know, you know, there is a rotation at running back in the, on that organization, but I think Shane Ann really likes Mitchell. Yeah. Well, um, and, and he showed like I think there's some staying power there for sure. For sure, I mean, it look like he had all these guys that end up being healthy towards the end of the year. Jeff Wilson, um, Trey Sermon ended up being a healthy scratch most of the second half of the year. Yeah, um, and he stuck with Mitchell. Yep, and he like and he rode him hard and 27 attempts, you know, rushing yeah. attempts like that was a common theme. You know, I mean, I hold I hold Mitchell in dynasty, and I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter oh, like huge. sell, 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 sell while you can. I'm on the other side of that fence. I'm holding on to him because I, I think he's, I think he's going to be a great asset going forward on a team that loves to run the ball. Well, we talked about it a lot during the season. I mean, there's there's 
a handful of teams that it almost doesn't really seem to matter who they put behind that offensive line, like they're going to be successful. Yeah. You know, the Rams, the 49ers, I think the Patriots believe are belong in that conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um maybe even the Buccaneers. Yeah. Um also people are worried about Raheem Mostert contract year for him this year. He's been hurt for the last 2 years. What, when he's healthy, he's amazing, but he's very rarely healthy. He hasn't played football in two years. <laughs> if they re-sign him, I will be shocked. Um, I don't know why I mean, you would give that guy another I mean, seven-figure salary. Well, that, I if they re-sign him, it's gonna be like probably to a veteran minimum. Still, um, and that's probably the, but that's probably even the case anywhere he goes. Um, yeah. He has the talent again. I think he's worth a flyer for any team, honestly, if he can stay healthy. But you know, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I think they get. The same thing out of Elijah Mitchell, plus, you know, he's a younger guy, more tread. So uh, I like the upside for Mitchell going forward. Let's talk about King Henry a little bit. Old Derrick Henry. Um, Wow, he was having an incredible season before he got hurt. Uh, He only played in eight games, still finished as the running back 16 overall. He was on pace for 390 That means you points. still could have played him the second half of the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, he was on pace for 391 points, 40 more points than what running back one Jonathan Taylor finished with. That's crazy. Um, the only other backs to finish with that many points in the last 12 years are Christian McCaffrey in 2019 and David Johnson in 2016. Oh God, the good old days, <laughs> man! I remember I twenty. David Johnson took me to the championship in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I remember drafting him like late in this in the first round. Like it was like pick like nine or ten. He's a stud. Yeah, and half of you guys were like, "Who the hell's that?" <laughs> <laughs> like we had so many guys because like that was a pure like upside pick. And God damn, did it work out for me? Yeah, that's that's those are always nice when they hit. Well, speaking Especially of like upside that. picks, I I think just from what I've seen this year, like people taking swings on uh you know the upside guys, it really worked out for some people, and I I might uh take some more risks next year. You know, I'm I'm a play it safe kind of guy, but I might take some risks next year. Just as, <laughs> I think you got you kind of have to with this landscape. It all the people that are successful have been taking risks. Yeah, little little Bruce Arians got a risk to get the biscuit, <sighs> right? So weeks one through six, which is before Derrick Henry got hurt. He was the number one overall fantasy player um, at that's including quarterbacks. Um, he was averaging 27 points per game. Uh, half PPR. Stupid. Um, is he your 101 next year in redraft? I wouldn't say 101. <laughs> He's definitely still worth the first round pick, I think. Like who, it's, who, it's, you who know, are you drafting over? I mean, you got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Um, the injury is a little scary, but it was nice to see him in the playoffs and looking like he was about eighty percent. Yeah, he didn't. He definitely wasn't full strength. Um, oh man, it's dude. And I mean, I said this last year leading up to to the draft. Like, I was like, I I didn't want anything to do with Derrick Henry because like he had what three years in a row of like basically four hundred touches. That's never good on a running back. We've seen people just fall off a cliff when that kind of thing happens. And he showed he was gonna do it again. So now I don't know. I'm I'm in flux. <laughs> so he's not your for sure one oh one. He's he's in the mix though. Yeah, I, I think he's in the mix. I don't Speaking know what I'm doing. Mixing it up. <laughs> honestly, I mean Joe Mixon was nice, man. He finished at uh, R B three. Um I think he started out as uh, RB13 in most 
uh, rankings in the preseason. And this might sound crazy, but like in a redraft league, I'd almost consider Mixon over Henry just because of, I, I just, I just like what I saw come out of Mixon this year. It was, it was a big change in what they were doing. He was way more explosive and just everything you wanted to see out of Joe Mixon in the last like three years, it finally came to fruition with that explosive offense, uh, taking the pressure off of him. And like, like I said, I'm a play it safe kind of guy. So I mean, I'm like flirting with Mixon almost, um, finishing higher than Henry next year also. Uh, if Henry plays a full season, I, I would put a lot of money on that not happening. I mean, and you, the same can be said about Joe Mixon, you know, the year, not this year, but the year before he was, he missed most of the year with an injury, mm-hmm. um, and was disappointing. Um, but what Derrick Henry did in those first six weeks, that is unprecedented. Like that is not, that's not normal human behavior. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the man was averaging 27 half PPR points per game. But I mean, more than any other quarterback. He's not human. Yeah. He's exactly. 6'4, 245, runs a 4'440. It doesn't make fucking sense. Look, if, it, if Jonathan Taylor isn't available at this point, how I'm feeling right now, and this might change in the coming months, but Derrick Henry is my first or second pick. Like, if they utilize him like that next year, especially maybe if they get someone that can play quarterback. Um, geez, I mean, he just, the utilization is just insane. I'm with you. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but I mean, to, to kind of prove your side a little bit more, it was nice to see him get more involved in the passing game. Yeah. They, they said, Hey, he's our offense. Like, let's, let's utilize him in that, in that sense. So same with, uh, Najee Harris, um, as expected, he was by far the best running rookie running back this season. Um, but did you guys think he'd be this good? Finished as the running back four overall with 263 points. I'll just admit, I was I was off that train in the offseason, and it bit me in the ass. Yeah, honestly, I thought he'd be good. I thought he'd be the best rookie running back. I think he'd be this good. But mostly just because like that offensive line is terrible. Like, it's bad. Yeah. And he still put up those kind of numbers. That's impressive. I was, I was high on Najee coming into the season. Uh, drafted him in our home league in the first round. Um, was kind of all in and and it it paid off. You know what I mean. I, I also took that risk with Clyde Edwards-Helaire the year before, and and that did not pay off. <laughs> um, uh, but Najee is just a different animal. So, um, I love how Mike Tomlin use, uses Najee. Um, and I think it's honestly a philosophy for Mike Tomlin. I think he learned his lesson with Le'Veon Bell and he's gonna use the shit out of Najee Harris. <laughs> Najee Harris while he's on a rookie contract. I truly believe that. And and during the season he was one of the few solidified R B ones. Like it was no question. It was only yeah. him in the backfield. His snap count was great. It was like over eighty five percent like in every game, which is so impressive to see as a rookie throughout an entire season. Like they believed in him from the get go. They weren't taking him out in passing situations, you know, concerned about his pass blocking, things like that. So um I'll be the first to admit I was wrong about Najee Harris. I thought it would take longer for him to come on and he just came out of the gate screaming. Yeah, the the, the usage is just insane and, and I honestly don't think the quarterback change is gonna have too much of an impact on how they use Najee Harris. Hopefully they get someone in there that's not named Mason Rudolph or Whoever else they have, but um, honestly, uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, they're probably both out. But honestly, 
Pittsburgh becomes kind of an intriguing spot for someone like Jimmy G. Yeah. I mean, it's really all they need, right? They got some playmakers. They just need a, a game manager that isn't shit like Mason Rudolph and um, someone that can kind of just manage the game for them, you know? Or not be committed to your franchise quarterback for too long when he can't push the ball further than 15 yards down the field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey man, the Steelers have always been loyal to to their guys. Yep. Always, yep. Pittsburgh. Um, let's see another another major surprise this season came in the form of James Conner, uh, who found new life in Arizona. He had an ADP of running back RB thirty seven, um, in drafts and finished as the RB five. So. My my big question to you guys is how much did Chase Edmonds missing time affect his overall finish? Do you think that's what boosted him all the way up to the RB5? Um, it kind of felt like they started to use him obviously a lot more once Chase Edmonds went down, started getting work in the passing game. Um, so what do you guys think about uh, James Conner next year? I'm a little bit worried that people are going to pay a little bit too high if Chase and James are both back. Oh, definitely. I mean, Chase Edmonds being gone is the easiest explanation, and it's the right explanation for why James Conner had such good games. Because when Chase Edmonds was around, you know, it was biting into his touches and limiting his point production. And once Chase was out of the picture with his injuries, James Conner took off. You know, they just gave him the whole load, and he handled it well. So with Chase Edmonds back in the picture, I. I value Chase Edmonds more next year than James Conner. Okay. Um, I think you can put it on the same field or the same like kind of plane for that. But in terms of Chase Edmonds being out, the reason why he got to the point, sure it helped, but it wasn't the reason. If you look, so Chase Edmonds went down in week uh, eight or week nine. I'm sorry. If you look at their production weeks one through nine, James Conner still destroyed him. James Conner still running back nine through the first half of the season. Yeah, he was taking all them touchdowns. Because why? Because they like he's no. He was he was the touchdown vulture. Yeah, Chase Edmonds would bring them all the way down the field, and then they'd give the ball to (laughs) James Conner, and he'd score like two touchdowns. You know, in that fashion. Which hey, that works if you drafted you know yeah James Conner late in drafts, and you're getting vulture touchdowns. Like that's great for your fantasy. I mean, he just I mean it was in the same time span in the first nine games. Chase Edmonds was running back twenty two. Are are you worried about overpaying for James Conner next year? I'm worried about someone else overpaying for James Conner next year. Because I was going to say, his ADP is going to go up. There's no it doubt is. about it. Yeah, no, I'm, honestly, I mean, and it rightfully should, because, like, obviously they're both going to have, um, you know, a, a role in this offense. That's not yeah. going to change. Right. Um, it's It should go up, but, yeah, are people going to overpay for him? For sure. Um, I think you're going to see both of them. James Conner, for sure, I bet you, goes in the first, probably at least six rounds. Yeah. Right? When realistically he should be looked at more of like a eight nine guy. Um, same with James, uh, not James, but uh, Chase Edmonds for that matter. Yeah, they're gonna be kind of a fifty fifty thing. And sure, I mean, we can't bank on Connor's being the touchdown vulture he was this year. Next year, right. touchdowns we know are super fluky. They're up and down. Yep. That's what scares me. Is, yeah, is you're you're banking on him getting all those touchdowns again. So, I think if you get him late in the draft, you know rounds. After round eight, for sure. Yeah, there's you're, some you're safe. Yeah, you take it. You're taking them, but you're gonna see people take him in like the fifth round, and that's not gonna be good. Yeah. Well, I think what muddies the waters with that whole running back situation is, I think we would all agree on this. 
is that when you're looking at the tape and watching him play, um, Chase Edmonds just he, uh, he really um, he jumps off the tape when you watch it. A lot more explosive, a lot more fun to watch in a way. And James Conner, you know, it's a lot more traditional and it's not as pretty to see, but it's it's proven and it works. So it's it makes it hard to buy into James Conner just because of what Chase Edmonds could offer. You know, every time I see him play, I'm like, man, this guy is explosive. Yeah, it just feels like he's on the verge of being great. Mm-hmm. Just a, a a little bit on the smaller side, but yeah, he's he's definitely a a, a great athlete. Um, but yeah, who you know that it's definitely going to be a fifty fifty split, like you said. Um, also had a a late season surprising breakout finally from Rashad Penny. Yeah. Uh, scored one hundred and seven fantasy points over the final five games of the season. He was a huge waiver wire uh, pickup there going into the playoffs. Um, his finish through those five games is almost 18 points better than the next be- best back, Devin Singletary. That man's going to get his money, contract year, and he got his opportunity just in time. Just in time. Man. But I think it's like the thing is on that, like he was still hurt. The previous <laughs> exactly. I mean, so that's the thing, and he knows that, and the team signed him know that too. They're not going to bank on five, five games because, yeah. like, even when he he's always been whenever he was healthy, he's shown flashes of, of brilliance, right? He just finally was able to string together over five games. Um, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he won a lot of championships. Well, well, you have you have to like. I'll just say this from a fan perspective, you know, just a, a fan of the NFL. It's it was cool to see someone who's like nearing the end of their rookie contract and has not really got the opportunity due to injuries to even just show what they're about. And then he somehow, you know, he, the last five games he explodes and it's oh, and like, he looked wow, good you know? too. He actually looked good running the ball. Like oh, he, yeah. he looked really good. So, I mean, it was the first like Rashad Penny that we've seen literally in years. Like, um, that's why they drafted him in the first round all those years <laughs> ago. You know what I mean? For that, that type of upside. And, but I, I'm I'm worried about having to pay up for him next year, especially with the whole Russ situation. It's going to have a massive impact on his value if if Russ leaves. Is Chris Carson under contract still? So? Yeah, they signed him last off. So Chris Carson's also there. But he also has the neck thing that potentially could stop him from playing. Uh, can I bring this up real quick? I remember you were saying, like, oh, that neck thing, trust me, man, it's not going to be a big deal. And then <laughs> he was done. Yeah, well, the, apparently he this is an uh, injury he had been dealing with for years in the past. He just right. hadn't made him miss games before, but now it was. So it's gotten worse and worse, and now it's potentially career ending, right? I mean, they haven't said that. I mean, that seems kind of dramatic, honestly. <laughs> That's what I read. I don't remember where, but um, that was in within the realm of possibilities. Yeah, well, anything that involves like your spinal cord, it's right. definitely more concerning. You know, it seems like it's a lot more murky fixing something like that than these days yeah. fixing an ACL or Achilles tear, you know, something like that, which is kind of crazy to say that we still haven't figured out how to fix like back and neck problems, you know, because it's just such a weird thing, you know. And as Mike Tyson would say, you know, it's final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I some people are going to take a flyer on him um, just because of his strong finish. I'm a little bit more weary. Um, I think probably you have to see where he ends up. He's yeah. a free agent, so there's no guarantee he's back in Seattle. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you should be weary. His health, his injury history alone should make you weary. Yeah. Uh, who's the biggest disappointment uh, at the running back position this season? 
Um, I, I'll start off with one that's not really so obvious. Um, I would say Josh Jacobs, someone who was drafted, you know, he was RB 16 in the preseason, um, pretty consistent, showed great promise in his rookie year. Um, and I'm not quite sure off the top here where he ended up finishing, but it's mostly due to their horrible offensive line. Um, well, actually, he ended up finishing RB14, a little bit higher than his rank. I, I, I think um, he was a lot more promising than where he finished up. So, I mean, that's that's not probably not the best answer, but that's the one that comes to my mind, first of all. Obviously, I'm a Raiders fan, but um, his season was definitely disappointing. You, you, I feel like people expected a lot out of him. This one, man, honestly, this one was actually hard for me to pick a, a big loser um, because, again, I, same thing, like, Guys yeah. that are that that miss games because of injury, I'm just I don't want to harp on them because they they missed a bunch of games. You right. Know? Of course, you could say McCaffrey, Cook, Barkley, right? But yeah, I mean, I think it is a little disappointing that Barkley cannot stay healthy. You know, obviously the offense is terrible, the uh, the line is not good, um, and people are drafting him in the first round. I was staying far far away. Uh, but I know a lot of people were taking a shot on him, and it absolutely killed your team. I think another candidate is Aaron Jones. Um, just with the uprising of, of A.J. Dillon, um, the team has definitely gone to more of a split backfield uh, than in years past, and rightfully so. A.J. Dillon's a really good back um, and obviously a, a useful weapon. I'm a little bit worried about if Aaron Jones is you know staying in Green Bay and everything stays the same, I am a little bit worried about Aaron Jones's long-term value especially in like a dynasty league um i think this year was kind of flashes of of what we might see going forward aaron, aaron jones is a great example of paying attention to like beat riders in the off season and kind of keeping your finger on the pulse for certain teams um with players that you're interested in because if if you're paying attention to the packers the last year or so it really wasn't a secret that aj Dillon yeah. is emerging and I feel bad for Aaron Jones people that drafted him not knowing about AJ Dillon's um, threat at, at the second in the backup position, because if you if you even had your finger on the pulse just slightly, you knew that AJ Dillon was coming. It's just a matter of time. But but on that note, um, I think Barkley for sure is like the obvious number one disappointment for running backs. Um, I I would exclude McCaffrey just because he got injured again. When he was healthy, he was doing great. Barkley is just someone who's been consistently ranked high in ADPs and consistently disappointed, um, not including injuries. You know, I mean, what we saw this year, I don't understand what the Giants are doing. They're definitely becoming like a trash franchise. Uh, I mean, they kind of have been, but it's like, how do you ruin um, Barkley's career so far? It's, it's wild. They're not building around him, um, and he just could not produce at all all year. You had to have been so disappointed if you drafted him in the first round and just watching I mean, what he didn't break a hundred yards until the end of the season, right? Yeah, that is horrible. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry in the first six weeks broke a hundred <laughs> yards five times, and not even that broke like a hundred fifty, like three times, you know. So, and those guys were being drafted like pretty much back to back. Yep. Yeah, and some. I mean, I think I had Barkley in our dynasty league, and I got him in like the third round, and that's the only reason I took him. I was like, okay, it's all right. Like, you know, at this point, um, I can give you Barkley for sure because. Even when he was playing, it was bad. He only averaged nine point two points per game. Yeah, um, that's not somebody you want. Even in the third round, that's not something you that you're looking for. Um, so like that's probably the biggest one. And a couple other guys that are maybe a little more under the radar, um, but I think should be mentioned in terms of being disappointments would be Miles Gaskin. 
coming off of his breakout season last year, people were expecting more from him, and he, you know, kind of shit the bed that way. And I give you the same reasoning with Mike Davis. Mike Davis showed that he could be, you know, like Chris McCaffrey light in in Carolina, gets a big contract from Atlanta, hoping that the, he could reproduce something similar to that, and yeah, was then was place. outshunned by a receiver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like thirty, what two, three? Like how old is Cordell? Yeah. Well, speaking of guys around that ADP, Kareem Hunt, right? I mean, big fall off from a year ago. We were yeah, him, mostly you know, injury though. I mean, he right. was producing when he's healthy, but yeah, I like the Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin takes. I think Miles Gaskin is is out <laughs> as they're. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to continue with that project, um, and probably a total rebuild in Atlanta. Um, I think one person we might be forgetting, honestly, J.K. Dobbins, just because he got well, injured yeah. early, um, and that was right around draft time. He was going decently high at the time, you know. Um, yeah, it, it definitely disappointed. Yeah. Did not see what he was going to do in his he was second one of those, year. He was definitely one of those guys that, like, if you drafted early, uh, you, like that, that sucks. Yeah, that's why you don't do that. Yeah, you draft. I mean, we're we're very consistent at drafting the last Sunday before the season starts. Yep, yep. Only give it a, a week for freak accidents to happen like that. Well, even then, like wasn't it a couple of days before he got injured, and we waited till the last Sunday. Like, there was a couple of injuries that like, we waited till the last Sunday, and we barely uh, made it past that window yeah. where like we would have been drafting those guys. Uh, moving on to the wide receiver position, I think uh, when we talk about the wide receivers this year, we got to start with our little Cooper Cup. Go Eags, baby. Um, had an absolute massive season with, with uh, Matty Staff slinging him the rock. Uh, finished the season with 439 PPR points. The best fantasy season by a receiver ever. Beat Antonio Brown's 2015 season by 51 points. He also became just the fourth wide receiver to ever win the Triple Crown, leading the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, joining Jerry Rice, Sterling Shepard, or Sterling Sharp. Sorry, the disrespect there. Uh, <laughs> and you're a Packers fan. <laughs> I know, I know, that was bad. And Steve Smith. Shout out to Steve Smith, man. So underrated. Oh, he's such a gangster, yeah. Such a beast. Well, yeah, that was what I think it was 2015 he did that. Yep. Yeah. I hit that 2015 season was a monster season for him. And he was always good. Uh, but like that like that was huge. That was well, that was also when they went 15-1, came to one MVP. Like that everything came together that year for them. Those yeah. were tough such yards, man. He was running hard after the catch. Oh yeah. Um, so I think the biggest question here is like if everything stays the same in LA. Right, Matthew Stafford's back next year. Um, you know, obviously Bobby Trees will be back. What do they do with Odell? That's all up in the air. But let's say the team stays exactly the same how it is right now. Is are you drafting Cooper Cup as your wide receiver one, like overall, above Devonte, above um, whoever else you want to throw up there? I would say yes, just because Devonte Adams is going to be uh, on a different team this year, most likely. Or it's is it pretty much set in stone, right? I mean, are no. they are they gonna give him between twenty five and thirty? Matt Lafleur said they They're have a plan in place. Them. They have a plan in place to keep all the central pieces there as long as they want to stay. Didn't Aaron Rodgers explicitly say that he did not want Devontae to be franchised? I mean, sure, but he's also not the. GM, <laughs> uh, but he kind of, kind of is. But generally, it's one of those it has things, a lot of influence. Like a lot of times, when it comes to a, 
uh, the franchise tags. You, you're working on a multi-year extension, and then if you can't come to terms, you use the franchise tag just to give you more time. Right. Right. And realistically, they're gonna take. What care the hell does Aaron Rodgers care if they franchise tag him? Aaron Rodgers at most is playing one more year in Green Bay, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that just comes from the franchise tag. You know, it. Um, if you're at the top top of your game and you get franchise tags, you're gonna franchise tag. You're making less money than you deserve to make. And you know, with football being such an unpredictable game, and you know, injuries can happen at any time. I think he wants to, you know, protect his teammates with good contracts, and he doesn't want someone, you know, po- you know, a future Hall of Famer at the, in his prime to be making subpar money. Well, well, the franchise tag is honestly, it's just assumed by everyone well, online in in the media. It's right. not a for sure thing that's going to happen. And in interviews with the coaching staff, they've and Matt Lafleur specifically, they said they have legitimate plans in place to keep everyone there as long as they want to stay there. Um, and I have to believe that. So I, I think, you know, getting away from the green Bay stuff, um, Cooper cup is deserving of the wide receiver overall one, uh, draft position next year, assuming Matthew Stafford stays there and everything is, um, the same. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll draft him as my, as the wide receiver one overall. Yeah. Look at the year he just had, you know. I mean, and obviously you can't expect him to have the same year next year as he did this year. Like that's stupid to believe almost two hundred targets. Yeah, I mean it, that's not going to happen. I mean, like I said, like we just said, he just had the best fantasy football re- wide receiver season ever, right? By a lot, fifty points. But we we know how Matthew Stafford keys in on one guy. Yeah, uh, if he likes him and if it's working, he doesn't go away from it. You know. Right. I mean, and that I know that you're you know, comparing that back to you know, the Megatron days, but there was no one else on the field with besides him and Megatron those days. I mean, there's True. playmakers on this team. Um, yeah. But with that, all that being said, yes, he's still my wide receiver one. He was wide receiver one with Robert Woods. He was wide receiver one without Robert Woods. Right. And I don't think that OBJ, it at yeah. all. Yeah. So as, I think as long as Stafford's there, yes, he's still your wide receiver one next season. I, I think if Devontae is still back with Aaron Rodgers next year, it does make the decision a little harder, but I'm with you guys. I would, at this point, I would take Cup over Adams if the situations stay the same. It, it makes it a little harder, though, for sure. Yeah, definitely, you, you know, that throws a wrench in it for sure. But, um, God, he's unguardable. Like, teams know what's coming. They've, they've known what's coming all year. Like, they've seen him dominate, you know, on film. Still can't stop him, you know. And, you know, the other thing, too, like, and I, I've heard it brought up finally, like, towards the end of the season, especially when Tampa decided to not guard him at the end of the uh, divisional round game uh, on their zero blitz. But, like, I don't know if it's it, – I it might be, like, a white stigma thing, but, like, people don't think he's fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and I know, like, for his combine, he ran, like, a four – like, mid four fives, which is not blaze speed, but he's always played faster on the field than he ever would in, you know, shorts. Yeah. See Jerry Rice. Poor well, combine and, numbers. And yeah. it, and Field it, speed, way different. Yeah. If you can get elite separation, it's going to make you faster on the field, right? Through your route running capabilities. Because um, you're going to get that separation, then you're going to run away from it. Um, and I think that's what gives them the edge, is just being able to separate high you know, football IQ yeah. and, and knows what to do on every single route. Uh, and when to do it. So, but even then, like on that final play of the division round game, he won on just pure speed. Yeah, yeah, he, ran he just he was outran. He was outran. But the also, DB. is the DB worried about him coming back or you know, yeah, cutting to the corner or, or post? So, you know, he's playing mind games with them 
you know? Could be. It is. It was kind of funny after that that game in the post game interview they were talking about it like that was not the route he was supposed to run. Like they, that was just a read that him and Stafford both made. Yeah, I think that connection is is deep, and I mean, I'm sure Matt Stafford wants to play another year with with uh, old Cooper Cup there. But it'll be interesting to see what happens if they win the Super Bowl because Matt Stafford is not getting any younger. That's for sure. Um, moving on to let's see, Jamar Chase here. Uh, what we saw from Justin Jefferson as a rookie last year, we all thought was kind of like an outlier type of deal. Um, not going to happen again for a long time. And then comes Jamar Chase dropping balls in the preseason that he should catch and complaining about not having white stripes on a football. And then he bested what Jefferson did uh, last year by more than 40 points in his rookie year. Um, do you guys think this is a, a new regular pattern in the NFL with elite receivers coming in as rookies being able to produce uh, at this level? Herbach, you're our local college guy. <laughs> um, you watch more college games than the rest of us. I feel like you'd have a better grasp. Like, I mean, is, is this upcoming wide receiver draft going to be as strong as it has been? Is it just going to be a consistent thing from here on out? Because it seems like the uh, you know the bar has been raised. Yeah, just people are being developed way early and coming out way more talented than we've seen before. Um, overall, receiver coming out of college are more talented than they have been than they've ever have been. Like we've been saying, probably in the last you know five, six, seven years. And college it, offenses are getting a lot more complicated and yeah. and complex. So. I remember saying, I remember back, I think it was, what, 2013, when, like, Mike Evans, OBJ, all of them were drafted in the same year. This is the best receiver class ever. We've said that, like, three or four times since then. Yeah. Um, Now, granted, this is an upcoming class. I don't, I still think that the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase thing, they are a bit of it, a bit of outliers. These are the best two receiving rookie seasons we've seen since Randy Moss. Right. So, you know, we went 20-plus years, like, in between these. Yeah. So, I don't expect this to happen every year. Um. Personally, I haven't done a ton of scouting on, you know, rookie receivers or, you know, upcoming rookie receivers this year. Um, but one from the little bit I have seen, I don't think there's a guy as talented as Jamar Chase or Justin no. Jefferson. There's some yeah. there's some guys, but they're not I don't think they're yeah. at the level. Personally, the, the twenty twenty three they're supposed to be some. Yeah. I mean the hardest thing for me, like just if we're gonna segue a little bit here into college guys, my number one receiver coming out of the college this year is um London from USC who is coming off a pretty major dislocation and ankle break. But he's, like, my number one guy coming out, and he's going to get drafted later in the round because of the injury. So right. who knows and how long he's going to be able to come back from that. So <clears throat> Raiders, hope you're listening. Pick up that guy late. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll touch base on uh, rookies coming in the next season, too, once we get closer to the draft and have some dynasty outlooks. I, and I stuff. just wanted to add this real quickly. I think Justin Jefferson is, like, an actual outlier. Jamar Chase is, like, his situation is so unique being with his college quarterback and right. just like having so much chemistry out of the gate. It's so rare we're going to ever see something like that again. That's Obviously true. super talented, but on top of that with the circumstances, uh, pretty much just like set for success. It's going to be such a rare thing. We, we'll probably won't see that for a while. All in all, there were five rookie wide receivers to finish within the top 30 this year. That's insane. That's, I, when I was putting this together, and I saw that. I was like, "That's that's a, lot. that's a large number. It's huge." Yeah, yeah. So I mean, some of the guys, Amon Ross, St. Brown, who we can transition to. He he had a really strong end of the season. Finally came on. He's a guy we were talking about 
you know, going into the season and um, things really picked up um, towards the end of the season for him. He, over the last six games, he was the wide receiver two overall, only behind Cooper Cup in the last six games. He put up 125.6 points over that span. I I love Amon Ross St. Brown, um, and I love how we were like uh, how we caught on to it fast, and we were all about him, and he was just so consistent. I'm so curious if it's going to continue next year. Like, I He's mean, imagine if they would have used utilized him from the get go, knowing you know whatever they figured out towards the end of the season. I we talked about it a couple of times. Then bringing Josh Reynolds into the picture definitely opened it up for him, having other worthy receivers. You know, took the pressure off of him. But, I mean, come on now. With someone getting 10-plus targets a game and reeling in 70-plus percent of those, scoring a touchdown almost every game, I mean, it's so nice to see. I mean, at the same time, this is Detroit. who's playing from behind in a decent amount of those games at the end of the season. But, I mean, if you're a Detroit fan and really uh, looking for someone as, like, a kind of deeper pick next year, I'm curious what he's going to be ranked as. I mean, he he was borderline undeniable at the end of the season. And that's that's super impressive to say about a rookie catching the ball from Jared Goff, like, yeah, you know, on a Lions offense, yeah. first year coach, every, they're figuring things out. I just love what I've seen about him. Honestly, he's one of my favorite players from the season. Another guy that uh, had a really surprising finish here was just real quick. I want to go back and like list the the guys and where they ranked off for the rookies because it, oh, it, sure. it blows my mind. So Jamar Chase, you know, receiver three. You had Jalen Waddle coming at receiver sixteen, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown at receiver twenty one, Darnell Mooney, who like I know he was like a super sleeper pick in the year, but I don't think I would expect him to necessarily finish receiver twenty four, and then Devontae Smith. Showed. I was I was kind of expecting bigger things because I thought Justin Fields would be the the dude from the start, and maybe they'd ha- you know hopefully have some chemistry, but um, still he finishes twenty four with terrible quarterback play for most of the year. So yeah. That's huge, and I mean, Same and again, I didn't, yeah, and yeah, that's the other thing. Devontae Smith was our fifth uh, rookie receiver, ended receiver twenty nine, yeah, um, and he showed like brilliant flashes, for sure, and with uh, inconsistent quarterback yeah, play, right. like and, Darnell Mooney, which is so impressive, right? And then and like what you brought up earlier, like pairing college quarterback and receivers together, seems to be like maybe a trend going forward. If they can, it's gonna be really hard to do. Like that's a very special circumstance to like even be able to fall into. Yeah, but we had that with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts, and then also uh, Jalen Waddle and Tua. Right. So, like, if that that shows like there's already that connection there, it makes it yeah. very easy to to replicate in the in the pro game. So, it might be something you might see teams try to do going forward. But again, that's very special kind of circumstances to like get into. But it's, it's the copycat league, right? It's yeah. such a huge advantage, though. You know, when a quarterback and a receiver have chemistry like that, they know like that's so advantageous for those two positions you know because the other one knows what the other one's thinking and and they're adjusting routes and timing on the fly and you can only do that if if you know what the other guy's thinking already like that cooper cup touchdown in the playoffs that we just talked about you know just adjusting the route on the fly and the chemistry solves it um hunter renfro had a standout season, quietly Ooh. finished as the wide receiver 11 with 207.6 points. I knew Trey would like that. I put uh, him in man. there. On Is this. he no longer third in Renfro? I mean, he, he's he's moved on from being the possession he's guy. first third in down. Renfro. <laughs> At this point, he should be, yeah. Every down in Renfro. <laughs> right. What do we expect from Renfro next year? 
I mean, I'll just hop on on this, you know, local Raiders fan on the podcast. Um, I'm moving, moving in next year. If they don't bring in anyone different, he's a, the clear cut wide receiver one. That's undeniable. But I mean, it's worth saying that, you know, um, a good portion of the season, Darren Waller was hobbled. Um, his usage wasn't right quite there. But with the Raiders, you know, it's a different situation, right? You know, quarterback or coach change in the middle of the season, lost Henry Ruggs, you know, early in the season. Uh, just a lot of changes going on. And um, I-, I see Darren Waller being a lot more productive next year and biting a little bit more into it. But if, if they're all about Hunter Renfro, I definitely see him finishing, you know, top 20 next year. Yeah. I could- I could, honestly, adding Josh McDaniels, I think, is huge. Yeah, I think Renfro is going to have a big year next year. Mm-hmm. I, really I mean, do. I don't know. I don't know what it, I know. Some people like Josh McDaniels is his second stint as a head coach, right? First one in Denver didn't go great. They had like the miracle playoff run with Tim Tebow. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it was pretty bad. After you know what's has been like seven years under Bill Belichick. Yeah. I expect him to be a lot more prepared for this. That is when he took the head coaching job in Denver. He was like the wonder kid, right? He was super young, right? Um, and so I just expect more of him. And with that being said, I think that this offense is gonna explode next year. Yeah, I I, I really do think Renfro. If they, hey, prioritize Renfro and Waller, you you got a pretty dangerous combination there yeah. to throw the ball. And then bring one more guy in to like kind of take the top off of things for them that they you know Rugs was supposed well, to be trying to go to Zay Jones right at the end of the year. That it seemed yeah. like they were they were pushing Zay Jones into that that kind of role. Now, can he execute in it? That's another question, but he, he was playing okay. Yeah, this reminds me of the old Bengals coach, you know, like he is who we thought he was. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Raiders fans know what he is. The, the organization knows what Zay Jones is. A uh, worthy player, but he's not that guy. Yeah. I mean, they try to push him into that role, and he still wasn't He wasn't quite taking the top off of the offense. Um, So I, I don't think Zay Jones really is going to have an impact next year. I think they would try to replace him, honestly. I mean, he's been around for a while. Like, it's just they – um. He's a reliable backup at best, is what I think. But Hunter Renfro, um, we've talked about this a couple of times, like undeniable receivers as far as like their route running technique, their get off, and just knowledge of running routes and um, how they catch the ball, grabbing the ball out of the air. They don't let it come to them. You know, I think Hunter Renfro, I'm being a little bit of a homer, but he's one of the. You might probably make a list of like 10 guys in the NFL that have all of those qualities. You know, they, they catch the ball well, they grab it out of the air, they're great route runners. And they know how to run after the catch. Hunter Renfro knows how to protect himself. Every move he makes is calculated. I mean, guys like that, I mean, it reminds me of guys like Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup. Like, yeah. Everything that they do seems premeditated. Right. Like, they know what they're doing all the time. If you, Yeah, if you have smart route running skills like that, like you're highly educated in the field of, of running routes, it is a massive advantage at that position, obviously. Um, not everyone can do it, clearly, but the guys that can – it's a huge advantage. I, you know, and you can draft Renfro next year as your wide receiver four, five. Like, oh, that's I don't a huge know. Upside. I think he might be like wide receiver three for rankings. Maybe. Yeah. It'd have to. It'd be pretty disrespectful with him finishing at 11th. And if they don't really bring in anybody else, I mean, I, I, I see him being, you know. I think James was saying overall. What? You were saying Renfro as your receiver, like. Like on your roster. Like you could, you could probably draft him. Have him on the bench as a wide receiver four, as your wide receiver four, depending on how your draft plays out. You know what I mean? Okay. I, yeah, think, I see what you're saying. 
don't know. I, 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 if that's because we're talking about like you know on your own roster, I'm thinking like he could he should be at an easy flex play a year in your or a week in oh, week yeah. out next I mean, season. Right in that right in that flex and, range. That's what I was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just I think I can see more as a receiver three. Well, I guess that shows how high we are on him. Like if you got if you are able to get Hunter Renfro as your wide receiver four like on your bench, you're probably sitting pretty damn good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who had the most disappointing season at the wide receiver position. Give it a moment of silence for Tyrell Williams. <laughs> for me, it's got to be uh, it's got to be the Jet Scary Terry McLaurin dude. Uh, add his ADP was wide receiver ten. He finishes wide receiver thirty three. Um, all the offseason hype and and Fitzpatrick being brought in and um people talking about how this team's going to take over the Cowboys and, and win the division. It killed your team. Uh, Terry McLaurin did. So for me, that's, that's my pick. Yeah. He's mine too. Um, I mean, he showed last, almost the last two years that like he could produce like wide receiver one numbers with, you know, crappy quarterback play. And I figure that with Fitz coming in, like it'd be huge. And then even when Fitz got hurt, so he saw his Taylor Heineke, who they had a great connection with last year. Yeah, you know, I expected him still to be able to produce, and he didn't at all. Like, right, like it was bad. Like he, like honestly, he's one of those guys that you know, if you didn't make the playoffs or you know were out early in the playoffs, he's one of the guys you probably could have blamed. For sure. What about Chase Claypool? Yeah, there was a, a lot of offseason hype uh, with Chase Claypool coming in the season, and if we were producing a podcast, I would have told you. Do not draft Chase Claypool over Deontay Johnson because I know some people were doing that. I was not high on Chase Claypool. I was high on Deontay Johnson. Not, and that's easy to say now, but yeah, to your point, Chase Claypool had not a great year. Oh, I mean, what he had double digit touchdowns in his rookie year. Yep. You know, major red zone target, finished with two touchdowns in the second year, um, basically caught half of his targets and. I'll, once again, I'll say he he is who I thought he was, touchdown dependent. You know, he's not like that possession type of receiver. He, he needs to score touchdowns in order for you to get points, and he wasn't scoring touchdowns. There. So I, basically, you said a lot of offseason hype, and it just did not come to fruition at all. So I think he definitely deserves a mention. Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of forgot about Claypool because of how bad he was this year. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so that's why. I'm like, I come too. on, man. <laughs> I mean, but definitely a case there because like, he was receiver 25 for an ADP and ended up as receiver 37. So, like, that. Yeah, you know it's not as far as a drop off. People of, were as drafting him as their wide receiver, receiver two. two. Yeah. yeah, and you <laughs> clearly could not plug him in as your wide receiver two. This That's year. a reason to listen to us in the preseason talks, man. We all three of us knew Deontay Johnson was going to be better. Yeah, it was clear as day. Yeah, uh, moving on to the tight end position, and we could probably make this one pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> But let's start with uh, one of the best tight ends to ever play the game of football, Travis Kelsey. Finished as the tight end two with 216 points. Some might say that he's, he has slipped, but only because of his own his own lofty standards as he's he's been the tight end one for the previous five seasons. Uh, no other tight end in NFL history has done that. But how do we feel about Kelsey next year? Does it continue? Does he fall off? He's getting older. Is Patrick Mahomes still throwing the ball? <laughs> That's Andy, the plan. Andy Reid is still the head coach. Yeah, yeah I think he'd be just fine. <laughs> but are you drafting him? You know, 
Some people were drafting him in the second round. Are you going that that high? Some uh, it was actually End a trendy thing to draft him in the first this year. Yeah. Do you feel that? That's that. Do you feel the same? Yeah, <laughs> 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 that was hard. Um. Oh man. I mean, honestly, I've never been a guy to draft at any time that high. Kind of like quarterbacks, and they like it just. The first, like end of the first, early second, is really dicey. It, end of second, okay, like I'll, I'll go, I'll roll with you there. Um, I expect him to still have you know big numbers next year. Um, he'll probably receive uh, finish as tight end one or two. Um, the only guy that, I mean, there's a couple guys now that maybe obviously Mark Andrews is is a stud who ended up be, being tight end one this year. Yep. Um, Darren Waller could bounce back if you look at what. Kittle did this year in limited time. Like he's only a couple points per game behind both Andrews and Kelsey. So right. Kittle can come back, especially if you have a more improved quarterback play there. So there's a few guys. Um, so maybe it makes you so you can wait. You know, if you want one of the top tier guys, you maybe still be able to get him in like the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. But there's a other thing about drafts, and you see it in the in the in the standard NFL draft too, right? Like when teams are drafting, you'll see all of a sudden a run on a single position. You see that a lot with tight ends in fantasy, where someone takes you know Kelsey, you know, yep, er, early in the second, and all of a sudden like the next three guys are all taken within like ten picks, and you're like, that's overreaching, did it too much or too soon, and that's dicey. So you know, either start the train or wait till the end. <laughs> but yeah, young guys like uh, you know uh, Pitts, Fryermuth, uh, that are kind of coming up and emerging that I think could have. You know, solid years next Dalton year. Don Schultz. Don Schultz uh, had had a nice year. Uh, Zach Ertz had a nice reemergence uh, on on the Arizona Cardinals, and you know, if everything stays the same there, I think he could do it again next year. Um, but before we get too deep, just to answer your question about Travis Kelsey, like in the second or third type of thing, like in that area, um, I think the only way you can justify doing something like that is if you're extremely confident in your later round picks as far as filling out your RB2 and your wide receiver two, because those are the rounds you typically fill those positions. And, you know, say you're just really confident about uh, some sort of rookie or guys who are, you think are being undervalued in ADP. That's the only way I could justify taking a tight end that high, just because he's so consistent. And with a tight end position, as we know, it's a huge cliff. So if you want that consistency at tight end and you know, you're going to, or you have a strong feeling you're going to get really good production out of late pick guys. That's the only way I could see that being a logical pick yeah see and that's actually where i vary a little different from you on that like with with quarterbacks it's a very deep position we're tight and it's not so that's where i'm a little more willing to reach for the elite guy at the top um like for instance this year mark andrews had 247 points Travis Kelsey was a ways behind that at only 216 Dalton Schultz came in at third at 169 points like just from the top two guys to the third guys, a massive drop off. Yeah, and it gets worse from there, honestly. So, well, to kind of counter your counter, <laughs> it, it, it kind of shows how the like the tight end landscape changes so often because uh, you know Mark Andrews was being valued as like a like a wide receiver three or four before the season. You know, obviously Kelsey and Kittle were before him, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts was ranked ahead of him in preseason ADP, and Mark Andrews has been consistent and. Uh, this is obviously like his breakout year due to the amount of targets and usage that he had, but it just kind of shows how things can vary from year to year just like that. You know, he went from being, you know, the fifth ranked tight end, you know, who I was picking up and around like, you know, the fifth or sixth round 
and he finished as wide receiver or tight end one over Travis Kelsey. So it's, I mean, and things can change. I mean, who knows Kyle Pitts, even guys like TJ Hawkinson were Dawson injured. Knox. Dawson Knox. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson was looking pretty decent before he went down. I mean, we all know his uh, potential. Yeah. It but, feels like we have more guys to choose from at this position now than we've had in quite some time. Yeah, and the, but the weird thing about that, we said that going into the draft last year, too, and it still ended up being two guys. Right, yeah. Yeah, some injuries and, I, and stuff like that. I was, it's just one of those but, things, like, and, and the, as you said, that, like, the position changes a ton, right? Yeah. The one consistent has been Kelsey. Right. Tied in number five, or tied in number one for five straight years, and he was tied in two this year. Yep. That no, that's never happened in NFL history in terms of fantasy points. Um, it's the most consistent thing we've seen. Like, honestly, it's one of those things you can take to the bank. Right, that's kind of what I was saying though. Is it seems like a decent draft strategy if you are taking him high and you're confident in your later picks, just because he is so consistent. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's one of the few undeniable ones, just because Darren Waller's injury, uh, Kittle is often injured. You know, he he really is one of the few proven guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's why I took him in beginning of the second round in our home home league this year um and it was nice just to have that you know i never worried about the tight end position in that league yeah. you know and it, and that's that's really nice <laughs> uh biggest disappointment at the tight end position I, I you know i know he was hurt but i gotta go waller just based off his adp um he had the first game with like 19 targets and then from there he never really he never really paid out you know what you paid for him. so um it's got to be Waller for me. I, I think my guy's going to be Mike Jasicki. Um, a little bit of that is just me being personal just because I like him so much. I like I like people who grab the ball out of the air. He's a great receiver, like a great receiving tight end. And he's one of six tight ends that had more than 100 targets, but he still finished at, ele- uh, finished at 11th in tight end rankings. So disappointing, you know, just a lack of touchdowns and uh, lack of chemistry, I guess, with Tua. It's someone who I think is still promising, but it's I expected more out of him, especially with that amount of usage. 112 targets, only two touchdowns. Um, I definitely expected more out of him this year. Yeah, uh, this one tight end was kind of hard to pick, like a loser, because there was it's so in flux as as we mentioned, and a lot of guys missed time. Before I get my most point though, I do want to give a little shout out to to, to the probably the go of tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, finished as tight end six, right? Only played in 12 games. Tight end number seven, Kyle Pitts, played in all 17, and Gronk <laughs> still outscored him. That's crazy, man. In five less. That's, that's insane. You like, think Gronk retires now? Probably. He has to. I mean, without Brady, why? I mean, he only he only unretired to go to Tampa because of Brady. There's right. no way he comes back. Yeah. And one of five tight ends to average more or to average double digit points in games played. And it really should be four because Dalton Schultz barely made it in there. He's averaging 10.0. So it just kind of kind of goes to show, definitely. Like big shout out to Gronk. Um, I'm glad I got on that train when I could. Thank you, Gronk. Thank you, Gronk. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I got, I got him late in the draft, like towards the later rounds, and I was like, y'all are sleeping. Yeah, for like, sure. Well, the thing is, like, he played last year and didn't show us much of anything, you know. Um, and then he went back to looking almost like his old self. Looking great. And speaking of chemistry with your quarterback, you know, the touchdown that they scored in the playoffs was a total. You know, when he tells him, hey, Gronk, do that. You know, they were talking about on the play on the on the sidelines. Gronk runs a little seam, like, you know, maneuvers from the play call, and they score a touchdown. Yeah. Or 
Either way, move into a good position. I can't quite remember. Either way, it was a great game-changing play off of their own chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, my mo- my biggest disappointment's probably going to be my boy, Tyler Higby. Oh, God. <laughs> you mean Tyler's Higby. Yeah, Tyler's Higby. <laughs> That's your Higby. It is. Dude, I had big I had big ups for him this year. I I thought he's gonna be great. Gerald Everett was out of there. He's like he's the tight end. Passing offenses should explode still because you know it's Matthew Staff coming in, and they basically were like, yeah, I mean we're gonna throw the receivers. Yeah, <laughs> the offense did explode, right? Yeah, it's not did. in that direction. Yeah, it did. Uh, um, I mean he's he, he had like an okay year, you know, tight end fourteen, like whatever. But I was expecting a, you know an easy top eight finish for him. It never happened. It never came to fruition. Um. Until like the I was like week eighteen, he had like two touchdowns in the final week of the of the season. I was like, you bastard. You'd be uh, you'd be proud of how I. Well, I guess you wouldn't be proud of it, but I kind of cursed Tyler Higby this last weekend because I bet on him to score a touchdown. Oh. and then he goes down early. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing this for yeah. Tyler. Oh yeah, and then the only <laughs> tight end on the team was I don't know remember what his name was. Uh, yeah, I, had like six catches for like seventy yards. Like imagine. where was that all year? Right. Where was that all year for Tyler Higby? Don't know. You, you can't blame you for like being wrong about Higby. The emer- uh, OBJ wasn't in the picture at the time. Nobody knew Cooper Cup was going to yeah, do what he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to take take the you got to win with with pride or with uh, elegance. You got to lose with it too. So, all right, let's uh, get into our MVPs here. I think we each did our top five. So maybe we just each run through our top five and yeah. rotate it that way. Cool, I'll start. Uh, my number one overall MVP has got to be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, finishes the RB1, ADP is the RB8, averaged 20.8 points per game. Um, look, I mean, you're able to get an absolute stud at the back end of the first round at the most important position in fantasy football. That's what does it for me. I know Cooper Cup had the best season ever as a receiver, but I just think um, you can find um, – value more value at the wide receiver position later in the draft so if you're able to get jonathan taylor plus some stud receivers you basically won your league um so yeah for me it's it's jonathan taylor at one and cooper cup at number two obviously finishes wide receiver one adp wide receiver 17 triple crown winner he's a stud uh elite route runner um you know i think you're he was getting drafted in some leagues behind Bobby Trees, you know, Robert Woods, and that's just – it's just crazy to me um, in what he's done this year. Undeniable. Uh, number three, I got Debo uh, Samuel, wide receiver two. I uh, had an ADP of wide receiver 36. I, I'll let you guys uh, talk on him a little bit because I know he's on your list too. But uh, in a lot of leagues, he was drafted. Actually, in, in most leagues, he was drafted behind Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's average draft position was wide receiver twenty-three. Uh, Debo was wide receiver thirty-six. That's crazy. That's just at the position. Like that means, yeah. like in the course of a draft, you're talking about like multiple rounds, multiple like probably rounds. three or four rounds worth Two. of picks. Yeah. Two. Two rounds, yeah. They're they're about twenty two picks apart. So if we're taking like talking like twelve twelve team leagues, they're around uh, two two rounds. Uh, <clears throat> well, no, no, that, that's just a twenty four versus thirty six at just receivers, not overall. No, no, no I'm saying yeah, like for overall, um, Ayuk was overall sixty six. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then Debo was eighty seven. So they were twenty one apart. Uh, so yeah, around a, about a two round difference for sure. That's crazy. 
Um, Josh Allen is my number four overall MVP. Finished as the QB1 and the overall number one player in fantasy. Uh, he had an ADP of QB2, but the reason I have Josh Allen here is even if you paid up for him uh, in your draft, meaning you drafted him really early, uh, it paid off. Um, so, I, you know, I think the whole weight on the QB rule is definitely um, a, a, a nice strategy and good, you know, technique to use. But I think with some guys, with with some um, unicorns, it's it's okay to go ahead and, and draft them a little early um, because for two years in a row now, he's he's had the production. Uh, and number five on my list, Austin Eckler. Finished as the RB2 overall. His ADP was RB11. Uh, he was the second most consistent running back this year and was drafted outside of the top 10 running backs. So that's a league winner uh, most years. Yeah, I like Austin Eckler a lot. So I'll, I'll dive into my MVP rankings. Um, my number one overall is Debo Samuel. Obviously, we talked quite a bit, of, uh, a little bit about him already. Um, I just want to add that you know during the playoffs he put up 17 points in week 15, then 24 points a week later, 16 points championship week. Um, that's what solidifies him as my number one MVP ranking on the year, just because of his rise uh, in from where he finished, from where his ADP was, you know, from wide receiver 35 to being wide receiver two. And the fact that he stayed consistent and helped you in the playoffs. I mean, that's everything you want out of a fantasy football player right there. So, I mean, that's what I'll say about Debo. I'll move on. My number two is going to be Joe Mixon. Um, this should probably honestly be Jonathan Taylor, but I think that's a little obvious. So I just wanted to bring up Joe Mixon just because. I mean, his ADP was RB13. He was being drafted in the second round in pretty much everything that I saw. And he had to finish an RB3, which means he should have been drafted in the first round, right? And like I touched on a little bit earlier, you know, everything that previous Joe Mixon managers wanted to see out of him, that's what they saw this year. All the explosiveness, um, elusiveness, tackle breaking, um, game planning form, things like that. Like things finally came to fruition for Joe Mixon with that explosive offense. And I'll just say real quick, I think, you know, it's clear and obvious now. Everyone's talking about how the Bengals need to fix their O-line last year. Now that's literally the only thing they have to do. Like, is improve their offensive line. So the outlook looks bright for Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase next year. Crazy they have all these guys on like their rookie contracts right now. Like such good drafting. But I mean, during the playoffs, like I said, uh, this is one of my requirements to make it onto my list. Um, He did kind of disappoint in week 15, the first week of the playoffs, unless you had a first week bye, he put up seven points, but then the next week he put up 29 and then 12 in the championship week, which is kind of disappointing, but you know, I've always said double-digit points. You can't be really disappointed in it, you know? And so I like how he stayed consistent and helped produce in the playoffs for people. And then moving on to number three, I think Damian Harris deserves to be here. Um, his ADP was RB26. He finished RB13. And this guy was scoring touchdowns, like it seemed like, every week. It's It was crazy to see, like, how productive he was. And during the playoffs, he put out 28 points, then 17 points, and 15 during the championship week. Um... I think he's such a pleasant surprise. It's someone I really didn't see finishing that high. Well, and you probably drafted him as, like, your RB3. Uh, that's what I was doing in leagues. And, yeah, it definitely worked out for you. And you traded him to me. Well, then I traded uh-huh. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and rightfully so at RB26, you know, and yeah. being in the Patriots backfield, typical committee backfield, he somehow carved out a nice niche, even with Ramondre Stevenson being pretty productive. It, it's just really nice to see that um, he produced like that. And then at number four, I got Hunter Renfro. 
I mean, his ADP was wide receiver 107. <laughs> That's crazy. 107. 107 receivers were – or overall, or just receiver? The 107th receiver. Holy shit. Okay, <laughs> this is when Henry Ruggs was in the picture. You know, so, I mean, but things still. changed. And when Darren Waller was healthy, you know, things like that. 106 receivers that's, were taken over him. That's kind of unbelievable. You know, you, you realize, like, there's only 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah. That means that, like, more than three receivers on every other team were drafted before Hunter Renfro. Yeah, so let me let me look at it. So, overall, 332, I mean. So, undrafted. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he was born, he was definitely a late-round draft pick for people. I mean, probably being undrafted. In most I, 10 or 12 teams, like undrafted, yeah. Yeah, I can't recall what happened in our leagues that were involved in our home league that we've been in for running for years. I'm not sure if he was drafted. But either way, he finished wide receiver 11. And then in the playoffs, you know, he's not explosive, but he was consistent. 12 points, 17 points, 15 points in the playoffs, which is nice to see. So, I mean, that's that's probably, that's got to be the biggest change in finish, right? Oh, it's got to be. Uh, and in in our any league, position. In our league, he was undrafted. Right, crazy, and even with me being in the league, right? Like I'm a huge Raiders guy, but I'm not. I don't believe in drafting, you know, your favorite team's players. But you know, it's it's crazy to see. That's definitely the biggest rise, right, in ADP and finish. And then, last but not least, Amon Ross St. Brown. I am. I mean, if I was going off people I like personally, I put him number one just because I like so much of like what he did towards the end of the season. This guy, you know, he was winning people, you know, playoff games. ADP was wide receiver 67, finished at wide receiver 21, but he could have finished much higher if they, you know, they would have started using him earlier in the season. Uh, we already touched on it. He, he became undeniable. 22 points in week 15, 31 week 16, 22 in championship week. I mean, I mean, this is like Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup numbers. Like, you know, this is like... I've been seeing some pretty crazy dynasty trades on the Twitter, um, including Amon Ross St. Brown. People are selling them and people are buying them for pretty hefty price tags. I just think that's interesting. I, I'm I'm on the the keeper side. I mean, I I know his value is high. I would love to keep him though if I was in like a keeper league, dynasty league. Just everything you've seen about him, it's it would be so disappointing to see him next year not produce. I it, it would baffle me. I, I wouldn't be able to like find an explanation. It, it would just mean that they failed. The him. only thing that worries me is it's the Lions. Right, I mean, yeah. that's 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 the only thing that worries me. It but, is the Lions. But he is an he's an incredible player. He's really really good. Let's be honest with Dan Campbell though. In the picture, it's like the Lions were actually like kind of competitive, and it was like yeah. they were they were fun to watch. It's it definitely changed the Lions culture, and it's from sure. a fan perspective, it changed how I thought about the Lions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan Campbell's got a little something going. I mean, definitely. even though they were losing a bunch, they were super, especially in the second half of the season, they were very competitive. Yep. So. You know, he's got them fighting, which is all you can really ask for. So that's huge. And you guys know I'm a love. I'm a big Amon Ra fan. He was my favorite receiver coming out of the draft last year. He's like one of my big sleepers. You know, they took him like ten weeks to figure it out, but they figured it out. <laughs> yeah, man. Kudos to you, honestly, because I that's somebody I really just was not paying attention to in the preseason at all. I, I saw him on the list, decently high up there. You know, wide receiver sixty-seven. I'm like, late rounds. No, thank you. I yeah. just don't know. Do you know he's brothers with? Equinemius St. Brown of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Actually, there's a third brother, too, that's uh, also in the league, but like, wow. or he was in the league for a small amount of time and is out of it now. But... Aquafina St. Brown? Yeah, he has a weird name, too. It's, so there's Amon Ra, Equinemius, and this other kid who I don't remember what his name is, but yeah. Some good genes there. In that and league. analysis, St. Brown. 
Yeah. You know, or, <laughs> yeah. And his dad was played in the NFL also. Or their dad did. Oh, really? Yeah. So it runs in the family. Like they're they're pretty damn damn good let's just say if they weren't related amon ross st brown and aquanimia st brown i'm just like what kind of like simulation <laughs> are we living in right now yeah. <laughs> but yeah those are my top five mvp rankings a little drawn out but god gotta love them hold on i'm gonna find this third brother real quick i i have to uh oh there's four of them actually three there's two osiris the other one's osiris Oh really? Oh, <laughs> Osiris ain't brown. <laughs> man, getting Egyptian over like there. The pies? Man. What? Osiris Leary's pies or whatever? Oh jeez. O'Leary's? Is it just O'Leary's? Osiris O'Leary's, yeah. Leave it okay. to the Irish guy. Get out of here. <laughs> good pies, man. Yeah. Good pies. Uh all right. <laughs> My MVP rankings. I'm gonna go in a reverse order. I'm gonna go five to one. Yeah. God, you're so edgy. Yeah, it's crazy. I just want to yeah, leave you on the edge of your seat. Way to break the mold. You aren't who I thought you were. <laughs> uh, at number five, I'm going to go with, with the old man. I'm going with Tom Brady. Honestly, what he did at age 44 in season 22 to lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns and have arguably his best season ever um, and fantasy points second overall in, you know, in his deal is, is crazy. He was QB9, um, you know, being drafted you know, at the well, – I think we found out – uh, round six, which seems crazy. Uh, I thought it was like seven or eight or nine even, but he finishes QB three. That means he should have been a, you know, a much earlier pick. It's just, it, it baffles me. Um, and that's, and also that's kind of the reason why it's crazy that he's retiring. Cause like, he's still great. Yeah. He still had a great year. Definitely better than big Ben. Yeah. I mean, he, he can still sling it. I mean, it's not as good as it maybe was, you know, 10 years ago, but he's still doing it. He does it well. So it's crazy. Um, going to be sad to see him go. Well, he, he's someone like year after year. It just seemed like they, he was always undervalued in preseason rankings and always outperforms it, which is crazy for someone who's been so successful in their career. But uh, it seems like a lot of years playing fantasy football, I see his ranking and I'm just like, oh, yeah, nice late round pick here because it's yeah. going to be consistent. Like, you know, you're not going to make a bad pick with him. Right. That's what it's been for the last. Well, I mean, shit. Since we were like five years old, he's been <laughs> in the NFL. <laughs> he, he's That's never crazy. finished worse than 15th in quarterback fantasy football rankings. Except for probably the one year when he tore his ACL like early in the season. Yeah. That's probably the only year he didn't. But yeah. But was, he got hurt like what week? I think it was like week one. So, right. I mean, I mean, that's it's crazy consistency. And a lot of those years, you know, it's, it, we're looking at like top eight finishes. Yeah. You know, and he's never valued like that. I mean, I would love to see how many games he had below 15 points over the course of his entire career because it wasn't, it couldn't have been many. I mean, he did have a couple of years where it was like 20 touchdowns, so maybe. Well, early, yeah, when they was, you know, he winning Super Bowls with defenses, but still, like, what he's done is unprecedented and it won't be matched. I, I just can't believe it could ever be matched. Yeah, he definitely des- deserves to be on the list, I think. Yeah. So, uh, going to number four, probably a little low for what most people think. I got Jonathan Taylor at four. Um, I don't. I think it's only because like he was still a first round pick, so we were expecting him to have a very good year. You know, he was should have been a been a pick. Yeah, he finished. You know, went from ADP at running back eight to finishing one. Great, but we were expecting a great year from him. Uh, he just ended up doing you know better than we even than what we even thought. So I gave him a slight downtick only because we did expect a great year. Uh, one running back we didn't expect a great year from though was James Conner. So I have him as a, at number three. And only, be, I mean, call him a touchdown vulture all you want, but he went from 
ADP of running back 37 to running back 5. Right. I, I feel like from what we said in the podcast, people might think that like we don't really like him. But at least like when we, what me and James have said, obviously you really yeah. like him a lot. No, I, but yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, like I said, like well, it's it's not pretty to watch him play, but you know, the results are always there. He made some great plays when Chase Edmonds was not, you know, in the mix. Mm-hmm. He really made some incredible plays, especially in the receiving game. I just think Chase Edmonds also brings a lot to the table. And with both of them in the mix, it definitely sh- shakes. Yeah, up. for sure. I definitely feel like I met. I spent a large part of the season like defending James Conner yeah. against you guys. So yeah. yeah, well, it's unfortunate for him, right? I mean, he, every time he seems to get like an opportunity and breaks out, like it's something always kind of holding him back. You know, yeah. like, I mean, he did good on the Steelers and like it just didn't really work out for him there. Then he goes to the Cardinals and he's got, uh, you know, Chase Edmonds yeah. right there in, in the wings, just kind of you know taking looks away and trying to take his job. Yeah, he's certainly one of those guys. I mean, even in Pittsburgh, he had some decent years there. Um, it's just he's not the most explosive guy. He's but he's like he make he's productive is all he is. You know, week in week out. I think he's kind of like Melvin Gordon that way. Yeah, like he not the flashiest guy, but like he just produces. He made some plays where I was like, "Wow, that's James Conner." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he had a couple one handed catches. You're like, "What the hell?" Yeah, where'd that come from? So, all right, then going up, a uh, couple more guys you expected to hear. I got Debo Samuel number two. We've talked a bunch about him. And I got Cooper Cup number one, which we've talked. Uh, can't talk enough about <laughs> yeah. Cooper Cup. Um, but those, that, that's my list. So Cooper Cup number one, Debo two, Connor three, Taylor four, and Brady five. I do want to throw out a couple honorable mentions because um, they probably won you championship game. One is Amon Ross St. Brown, mm-hmm. and the other one's Rashad Penny. The way they ended the season, those guys won a lot of championship games for people. Um, and they, I think they just had to get an honorable, honorable mention. One person sure. we didn't really bring up, um, I thought should be mentioned, is Leonard Fournette. RB33 uh, preseason, finished RB7. I think um, yeah, uh, yeah. all three of us probably thought that, you know, it was going to be the, uh, you know, a committee back there with Ronald Jones, and we just didn't really expect Leonard Fournette to be that guy. Um, it was just impressive to see him finish that way i don't think anyone really expected him to finish in the top 10 it was surprising to see how the organization went to a completely featured role with lenny and rojo wasn't even in the picture you know what i mean that that was the most surprising thing to me but lunder Fournette, you know he he made the most of it and played really really well so makes sense it'll be interesting to see what happens with this whole team now that tom's gone and you know who's gonna stay? Who's gonna go? Who knows? We're gonna yeah. Have to I see. Mean, that that team's in major flux. I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why Tom honestly retires because like that team has a major overhaul coming. Oh um, yeah, for sure. They have a ton of free agents. It what was you- it was thrown together to go win a Super Bowl. And, exactly, and that's what they did. So. Yeah, they won one, and you know this year didn't work out. It is what it is. What did you say was were was uh, Lenny's ADP for running backs? Well, he was RB thirty three. It'll take okay. me a second to pull up um, his overall. No, it, just right back. That's interesting though, because like I thought, like Ronald Jones, who I think a lot of people kind of expected him to be the lead guy going in this year. Um, they were ranked back to back. They were thirty two and thirty three, which actually surprised. I thought Ronald Jones was going quite a bit higher than Lenny was. Uh, but even then, as you guys said, like it's still surprising that it went from what everyone was expected to be kind of a committee backfield to being a single single guy in, in Leonard Fournette. Yeah, old playoff Lenny, man. Or touched Lenny. Um, all right, you guys want to close this thing out with a couple Super Bowl predictions? Put it on wax. Put it on wax. 
go. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, a lot of the books right now have the Rams as either four or four and a half point favorites. Kind of varies from book to book. And with an over-under somewhere between 48 and 50 and a half. Um, now that might change in the next you know week and a half, but um, but right now that's where it sits, and I think it'll be pretty close to that going into kickoff. So, um, who you guys who you guys win, and if you had to take uh the points, the spread on on either side, what would you take? I've actually thought about this a lot already, so like I I'm prepared for this. I think I am too. Um, I'm taking the Rams. The plus four or four and a half, and I'm taking the under. So they're minus four, four and a half. I'm sorry, yeah, minus. Yeah, they're the fairest. I'm taking them to win by at least by at least five points, um, and I'm taking the under in overall all overall points. Honestly, I don't think this game's all that competitive. Yeah, I I'm I'm kind of leaning that way too. You look at what the Bengals their journey through the playoffs, right? They played uh, the Raiders, who didn't play great. Then they played the Tennessee Titans, who Tannehill just bombed them. They didn't, they he, didn't play well on offense at all. He threw a pick on the first and last play of the game. <laughs> just absolutely killed them. And then they had, and then it, it took a, a monumental meltdown from the Kansas City Chiefs, like historical meltdown, um, for them to come away and win that game. Probably only because I bet on the Chiefs. So. Seeing all that happen, I, I really think the Rams can put together four quarters and, and win. I think they're the better team. Yeah, and also, so the, the other thing, too, I mean, as you said, uh, Tannehill destroyed. They, they should have lost to Tennessee if Tannehill plays they slightly lost better. Yeah. <laughs> he was sacked. Joe Burrow was sacked nine, nine times, times. Yeah. against a good defensive front. You can't they're, lose a football game when you sack the opposing quarterback nine times. Did you like, see how how much the Rams were all over Jimmy Garoppolo? And the Niners have a better offensive line than than the Bengals do. Right. Like I know I don't I I know they kept Joe Burrow clean against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs pass rush is not right. It's not great. They have Chris Jones and and a bunch of you know like nameless people. Uh, I know Frank Clark makes a bunch of money, but like he's not a great pass rusher. Right. Um. Like they have Chris Jones. The Rams yeah. have Von Miller, Aaron Donald, yeah, Leonard Floyd. Um. This two that's next to that. To Aaron Donald, like the white guy, ninety one, like Halverson or something like it. He's had a great year, like right. he's killing it too. So like this front for the for the Rams is massive, and it's gonna. I just I just don't see the Bengals having a chance in this game. I don't either. You know, you know <laughs> when I see the Bengals, you know who the Bengals remind me of? The old Giants. Oh, you know, a team that like? doesn't quite deserve to be there, but somehow manages to like pull through. And um, just in, at the right situations, I guess you could say. I mean, uh, you guys brought all the perfect points. You know, the Chiefs meltdown, getting sacked nine times by the Titans, things like that. Raiders um, playing like shit. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders game, I, I feel like everyone expected it kind of to go that way. No one really expected the Raiders to win. But um, this team has grit, you know. They definitely find a way to stick around and believe in themselves. You know, they were getting their ass kicked by the Chiefs, and they still stuck with it, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's worth a lot. Ben, but didn't break. Yeah. You know, Joe Burrow stayed up after the nine sacks, kept fighting. Um, I honestly see this being a pretty high-scoring game, just on some something like I guess not a high-scoring game, but I'll just say it right now. I'm I'm taking the Bengals, thirty-one twenty-seven. Oh, man, we got a score prediction too. Wow. Okay, that's that's a lot. 
You Either that or winning by a field goal. Evan McPherson is undeniable. No, okay, no, it's, I, I have to say, tell, tell the story. So, first of all, I am rooting for the Bengals to win. I just don't think they will. Um, with that said, um, anyone who knows me, I have this goal in my life to have at least one jersey for every NFL team, right? And every Super Bowl, the team I'm rooting for, I buy a jersey for them unless I already have one, right? I don't have a Bengals jersey, so I did. So I ordered one, right? I'm getting an old school Ocho Cinco jersey. Literally, is the Ocho Cinco, not the Johnson one. But <laughs> you know how hard I thought about getting a McPherson jersey. Yeah, because be what cool, Mc because what McPherson did before he walked out and kicked the field against the Titans is one of the cockiest things I've ever heard a kicker ever do, and it, I loved it so much. You guys, remember, did you guys hear the story? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You ha like, dude, the cockiness of that kicker blew my mind and it, i almost bought a jersey for him because of it dude even when the last game i was talking me and james were watching it together and i was just like that'd be awesome if evan mcpherson gets an opportunity to kick a game winning field goal and this time he says well looks like we're going to the super bowl <laughs> do you think he <laughs> i would, don't think he did though i don't think he it did. didn't come out yeah now, wouldn't and that be a perfect story though it, it would have like, been it would have been great two weeks in a row you know and then could you imagine I, I, if he does it in the Super Bowl? He's like, guess we're winning the Super Bowl, guys. Goes and kicks the winning field goal. Dude, I'm throwing crazy predictions out there. I, I think it's going to be another game where like, the Bengals are losing like the whole time, and like the only time they're ahead is like the last play of the game. Last I possession of the game. I can see it. I, I, I can't see it, actually. Um, but I, so you brought up the, the, the way you felt about the Giants. I'll, the, my one, like to counter that, the one thing those Giants teams did have was one, or actually two things. A veteran quarterback in Eli Manning, and two, an elite pass rush. Yeah. Their front four were dominant week in, week out of those seasons they won the Super Bowl, and that's not what the what the Bengals have. The Bengals don't really have a single elite thing about them. They got Trey Hendrick Hendrickson. He's a pretty good player. But that's one. But that's one guy, you know. The, the Bengals defense is a defense I brought up a lot throughout the they're season, good. fantasy wise. Yeah, yeah. Because definitely they're definitely underrated. worthy, you know. Um I mean they're average at worst. Right. You know. Oh yeah. But again, like they don't have like th those giants like they had an elite front four. I mean you had Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, yeah that was uh Yumanura, uh JPP yeah. Like these are all guys that were playing at one point in both those Super Bowls. They're like they're just too damn good. Right. I will add that it gives me a lot of confidence in the Bengals because of how confident James is in the Rams. And <laughs> Dude, it I'm sounds horrible, but like James has seriously like showed confidence in teams throughout these playoffs and just had the worst but luck. I, I was one hundred percent right about the Chiefs. I said the same thing going into the Chiefs Bengals game. I said the the Chiefs could absolutely run away with this game and route the Bengals. <clears throat> and they were. You know, it was twenty-one to three, um, and it took literally a historic meltdown for them to lose the game. But or a historically bad play call to not kick the field goal at the end of the half. Uh, yeah, well, and and don't even get me started on Patrick Mahomes' play because it was it was pretty grotesque to say the least. I mean, vocabulary. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it was bad. But um, and maybe we'll save that for another episode. Uh, but give me the Rams, even if it's up at four and a half. Give me the points and um, and over under. I don't know. That's hard. Trey's pretty confident in being high scoring. I could, I guess, see that, but I think the Rams' defense comes to play. And, and uh, yeah, I, I hate to say this. I just have to bring it up. I'm a I'm a very, very, very small time conspiracy theorist when it comes to the NFL and big time games like this. They preach parity. And 
it's you know at the end of the day they want to make money. You want to have an exciting Super Bowl, so I believe points will be scored. And if you want parity in the league, you're not going to let the team that was in the Super Bowl just you know very recently win with a very stacked team where they pick up OBJ and Von Miller mid-season when they were already pretty decent Super Bowl favorites. You know what I'm saying? It's it would be so great for the NFL for the Bengals to win. I love how you're insinuating the NFL is going to try to somehow sabotage the Rams in this game. <laughs> no, I'm not saying the NFL themselves, but there's going to be a lot of outside influences like that might influence the game. I mean, the NFL is built on parity, as you said, but that's be- most because like the worst teams get the best draft picks, they get the easiest schedule, uh, and that's how they kind of do that. Uh, I I'm not big on conspiracy theories myself, so. I'll go against you on that one. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it's not really. Cons- I guess it is conspiracy, but yeah, because like the thing is, if you talk about like having a close Super Bowl, I mean, the Seahawks beat the Broncos it's forty-three def- to eight. It's not always a close game, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I think bottom line, for me, I would like to see Matty Stafford get a ring. You know what I mean? After all these years, and like uh, Joe Burrow should have more than just this opportunity to do it, right? Oh yeah, with Joe, the way that team's trending, Joe will be back. Joe Burrow is a, is a, an incredible quarterback. Shiesty. He he's he's really, really good. Like he's gonna be around for a long time. Any team he's on, he's gonna make him competitive. They're always gonna be in it. Um, but let's let Matty Stafford get one. Let's let our boy Coop get one after the best wide receiver season of all time. And yeah, let's just do that since the Packers aren't in it. <laughs> uh, man. I mean, I, I I I'm just being honest. I, I hate to even put something like that on wax, but that that really is just my general feeling of my experience with like the NFL and big time games in the Super Bowl. That like it, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals won at all. Like just, um, I don't know how to explain it. The, the referee crew is going to be a huge deal. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed last week, pl- like penalties were not being called. Like yeah, in, they in, were in either play. game, yeah, for sure. It, it yeah. could be completely different next week. You know, like, where they're coming in and expecting. You know, like the play calls could really influence the game. It's just, I'm definitely going on a huge limb here. I'm taking the biggest risk for sure. But I mean, I just, um, I, I take the Bengals, 31. I'm telling you what, man, people have been betting on the Bengals all playoffs and they've been winning some money. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I just can't see them beating the, the Rams. Yeah, me too. And you know, if we're going to throw out a score prediction, I'll throw it out myself. But I, honestly, I do think this being flops. I see like a 31 13 win for the Rams. Yeah, I, I kind of do too. But I said that about the Chiefs. And- I know, and but the thing is, like That'd with that, be being, under. with that, with that being, yeah, it would be under, yeah. So I'm taking the four and a half, um, you know, for the Rams, yeah, and I'm taking the under. Okay, um, but like with you being like what you said, like about the Bengals, if the Bengals do win, I wouldn't be completely shocked just because of what they have shown. It's just not the way I'm generally feeling right now. Yeah, I mean, if someone like if I had my last thousand dollars and I was just like addicted to gambling. I would take the Rams at four and a half and the under. It definitely is. I think like it's a, it's the safest bet to make. Definitely. But my gut See, is definitely. call me a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it's the most logical thing for sure. You know, it's like I, if I was trying to make money on bets, that's probably what I would try to do. But my gut's telling me bangles. Well, that's where you get the plus money. So, hey. Gamble. That's gambling, baby. Um, <laughs> Money line. All righty. Well, uh, that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back. We're going to do some, uh, like, a coach. Uh, all, we're going to cover all the coach changes in, in an episode coming up. We're going to do 
we're going to talk about like the top 12 at each position and, and kind of talk about outlooks for next year, eventually get into some dynasty and rookie talk uh, down the line. But uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, happy to be back. Thank you for listening. Uh, and you can get us, hit us up at the FF fathers, you know, shoot us a question. If you want us to cover something on uh, our, one of our upcoming episodes, uh, we're happy to answer it. So uh, at the FF fathers on Twitter, and y'all keep it easy. Take it easy. I mean, to say that's the advantage of having one social media is if, <laughs> if you contact us on it, we're going to see it and we're going to take it into account and use it. You know, yep. especially if you send us a question, we'll use it in the podcast. We'll, we'll shout out your username, all that good stuff, you know. But yeah, like James said, it's a pleasure to be back with you guys. It was, it was a nice little break in the off season, but we're back. Pretty sure we're going to be uploading pretty like every Monday from here on out, hopefully. Weekly, yeah. Um, try to give you some good off-season content. But, yeah, um, it's a pleasure to be back with you guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Love, glad we're back at it. And, honestly, if you guys are listening to this episode from the beginning to the end, you are a trooper and a true fan because <laughs> we went a little long here. We were a couple hours in now. Yeah. But uh, if you're still listening, true fans, we love you. Let's be real. It's the off-season at this point. you got nothing else to listen to. <laughs>